A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. The apostles gathered together with Jesus and reported all they had done and taught. He said to them, Come away by yourselves to a deserted place and rest a while. People were coming and going in great numbers, and they had no opportunity even to eat. So they went off in the boat by themselves to a deserted place. People saw them leaving, and many came to know about it. They hastened there on foot from all the towns and arrived at the place before them. When Jesus disembarked and saw the crowd, his heart was moved with pity for them, for they were like sheep without a shepherd, and he began to teach them many things. The Gospel of the Lord. How many of you were thinking, as the Holy Deacon proclaimed those words, I'm so glad we have this gospel today because it's my absolute favorite. <laughs> In fact, I'm willing to bet it's a set of passages we spend precious little time thinking about, and that's a shame. Because in this particular brief passage from the Gospel of St. Mark, there is something vitally important for each and every single one of us. Especially if you've ever found yourself in that position of thinking, I try so hard to be good, but it's exhausting. I try so hard to take care of everything I'm supposed to, and I can't manage, and I can't get a break. Hidden in this passage is a beautiful, a compelling, and important lesson. And it's hidden precisely because so much of how we live teaches us to overlook it. It's not that the Lord hid it. It's that we make it inaccessible. But we begin because there's a certain wisdom that this reading teaches. We have to pay attention to what we hear in our first reading about young Solomon, the new king of Israel. No temple has been built in Jerusalem, yet Solomon hasn't done that. And so the worship of God was taking place at shrines, at sanctuaries in the mountains. At a place like this one, except we're not exactly in the mountains. And so he goes to Gibeon, the greatest of those places. And we hear at the beginning, it's marvelously excessive. And he offered a thousand burnt offerings. Imagine how long that would take. And we don't know that that's literally true, but what we do know is that the young king came and at considerable expense and considerable time made it a point to linger in the holy place to pay homage to the Lord who had raised him to the throne and who was so faithful in the promises he made to his father David. And it's in this context of not wanting to leave until he had sufficiently honored the Lord. Note the disposition. Now that number 1,000 isn't literal, but it's serious. It meant he went well beyond the ordinary exercises of devotion. 
It meant that there was a certain abundance in the way he prayed and in the way he turned to the Lord. An abundance that wasn't for the people to see, but for his heart to express. And it's at this point that having done all of that, he's resting. He's resting. We hear that the Lord came to him in a dream. In other words, he prayed so hard he was done. He's tired and he's resting after all of that. And it is in the rest that the Lord comes to him. Note that it doesn't say the Lord came while he was making all of those sacrifices. It doesn't say that the Lord spoke to him while he was working so very hard. It said after the work, he rested and the Lord came to him. And imagine this. Because we always say, this is what we want from the Lord. The Lord comes to Solomon and says, tell me what you want. Tell me what you want. Ask me anything and I will do it for you. What would you say? If God came to you with that, you tell me. You tell me. You do it every morning anyway when you get up and tell me how to do my job. But right now, you tell me what I could do for you. Now, note how different this question is for Solomon than it is for us. And not because we're not kings. Well, we haven't just made those 1,000 sacrifices, have we? Note that this is a question that speaks into the very depth of what he has just been doing. It speaks into the very depth of his devotion. This is not the question that God asks when I'm still sorting things out. This is not the question that God asks if I haven't even been praying in the first place, because I'm not going to give a decent answer. In fact, if I'm honest, most of us would sit there and say, I don't even know what to ask for. And let's just stop right there. I don't even know what to ask for. That's who we are. We begin thinking we know. But when we slow down and consider the reality of our lives and our situation, we suddenly realize, I'm not so sure I know what to ask for. I'm not so sure I know what that one thing, what that best thing is. It's important that we recognize that. The great philosopher Socrates is reported to have famously said that the beginning of wisdom, we begin to get wise when we recognize what it is that we don't know. That's true in worldly terms. But what we see with Solomon is something greater than that. It's not a matter of saying, I know what I don't know. Solomon is also saying, I can only find knowledge from the one who has placed me in this position, from the one who has brought me here, from the God who has given me life and the God whom I serve and my family has served, only from him. And Solomon looks at his situation and says, I've been greatly blessed and I don't know what to do with it. I'm the king but there are so many people 
with so many needs. And I have to manage this. Boy, does this start to sound familiar. I'm the one who is raised up to be an example, and I'm not even sure how to do that. And so Solomon, after pouring his heart out, stands before the Lord and says, look at all you've done for me. And left on my own, I'm going to lose it all. I'm going to drop the ball because I can't carry it. I can't govern this people. I don't know where to start. And so he says, I recognize how good you are. I see how faithful you have been in keeping your promises to my father, David. I see how good you've been to me. I'm not asking for just another blessing. I'm not asking for wealth because I'll misuse it. I'm not asking for more power because I'll just break things. I want to know. I want to know what it is that pleases you. I want to know how it is that I can take care of the people that you have entrusted to me. I want to know how I can take care of all of these blessings you've given to me and to my people. That's what I want. That's what I need. That's what I want. And we see here the root of that beautiful expression attributed to Solomon himself. The beginning of the wisdom is the fear of the Lord. That great respect for God that says, you've given me so much, and if I just do what I want with it, I'm going to get it wrong. I need to know what pleases you. I need to know how it is I need to work with this. And only you can show me that. Only you can teach me that. Small wonder that this answer pleases God greatly. And so note what he says. Because you didn't ask for all those things that lead nowhere. You didn't ask for gold and silver. You didn't ask for an increase in your power. You didn't ask me to get rid of your enemies. You asked to know what is right. You asked to know what pleases me. You asked for the ability to look into a situation and perceive the correct way to think and to live and to act. I will answer that prayer. That prayer I am pleased to answer. Because it's a deep prayer and it's an honest prayer. Solomon begins with recognizing, you've given me much, but there's much I don't know about it. You've given me so much, and there's much I don't know about myself. And only you can show me. How absolutely wonderful that is. But note, you don't have to be a king to say that prayer. Because each of us has a certain lordship and mastery in the household of our lives. Because God has raised us to that position over ourselves. And each of us, if we're honest, we find ourselves in situations that we don't know how to navigate. 
we find ourselves with blessings that we take for granted or don't fully appreciate or don't even understand. We find ourselves living with a certain shallowness. And because of that shallowness, events kick us around and we feel that we have no way of navigating or taking control. Note how important this prayer of Solomon is. I already have so much. The problem is I don't know what to do with it. I don't know how to choose the right way. I don't know how to take care of what you've given me and who you've given me. That's a prayer we all could say. And it's a prayer that the Lord is pleased to hear from us. It's why we have as the response to that, the psalm that says, Lord, teach me your statutes. And that's not merely saying, let me know the rules of the game. It's saying, give me the guideposts that I can rely on as I navigate all of these things so that I'm not lost in groping. And having seen all of that, we come back to our gospel reading now. And you might say, well, Father, what does that have to do with the gospel reading? There's no kings there. Nobody's burning thousands of burnt offerings. And yet, there's exactly this taking place there. The disciples have come back to the Lord. He had sent them out to preach and to cure and to expel demons into the towns he was planning on visiting. They've gone out and they've done all of that work. And they've been faithful and they've worked hard and they were successful. And they come back to the Lord out of all of that activity. And they begin telling to him everything that had happened to them, everything they had done in his name. And the Lord looks at them and he says, you've got to be tired. However energized you are, you've got to be tired. And so let's come aside and rest a while. And what do we hear? They leave to go to a deserted place. Why? so that these guys who work so hard doing everything they're supposed to can get a rest with him. And what happens? We hear that the people found out. And there was a great many of them, a great crowd of them. And they found the deserted place where the apostles had gone to rest. So imagine that. They're just ready to take a break. And all of the needy personalities of the world showed up right then and said, you've got to help me. I am desperate. You have to help me. Don't raise your hands. But how many of you live through that on a regular basis? You've worked. You've exhausted yourself. It's been good. You've, worked, you've been hard. But the need just doesn't go away. And even when you think you've got a quiet place and a moment of rest, the worries, the anxieties, the preoccupations, they're all there. And they always come in crowds, don't they? It's never just one. And what happens is we feel crowded out of our quiet, crowded out of our peace, crowded out of our rest, because that person I'm caring for, it's not his fault, but the need never goes away. 
the issues I'm dealing with. It's not my fault I have them, but I got them, and they just don't disappear when I snap my fingers. They're always there. Know how familiar this really is? How common this is? And note what happens, however. Jesus doesn't let those guys go to the people. That's the mistake we make. They need to rest. And so what does Jesus do? Keep resting. I've got this. Note the difference here. And the mistake we make time and time again, that idea that I always have to be on, that idea that I always have to be up and available when the simple fact of the matter is I can't. And when we expend ourselves in such a way that we're always giving in the end what happens, we've got nothing left. And then we show up empty to all those needs because you can't give what you don't have. And so the Lord reminds us, none of us is Jesus. Only he can meet every need. And know what he does. He teaches his apostles this by smacking them in the face with it. The world isn't going to go away. You can't meet all the needs of the world. Oh, you can meet some of them. And I need you to do that. But you also need me. And you've got to come to me. The world might be needy in a different way. The world needs me in a different way. But you need me too. So note what the Lord is saying. Don't ever forget you need me too. As much as or more than the world needs you. You need me. And so you come aside and you be with me. And when you're with me, have the wisdom and the faith to understand. I can handle this even without you. And so rest. Note the wisdom that needs to be seen here. I can't meet all those needs. I can only do what I can do. And so that I can keep doing something, I need to stop from time to time because I need to. And I need to go to him. And I need to be renewed. And I need to be restored. And I don't have to worry. Those needs out there, when I'm done, they'll be waiting for me. Because they're always there. They're always there. That's life. The problem is we tend to live in the always there. And so we're always stressed, always exhausted, always beaten down, always frustrated. And the Lord is saying, come aside and rest and actually rest. And it's not a sin and it's not the end of the world if there's a couple needs you can't meet right now. That's okay. Note how important that is. And as our family situations become more difficult, frankly, as the number of clergy becomes smaller, we all fall into the trap of being always on. And the Lord says, you have to be wise enough to know what you can't do. You have to be wise enough to know who it is who can sustain you. 
And then you've got to have the courage to trust. This is why in one of the most beautiful passages from the Old Testament, there's a psalm that speaks into the life of a busy man. And it says this, in vain is your staying up later to get things done. And in vain is your rolling out of bed so early in the morning when God pours his blessings on his beloved while they sleep. <laughs> what a, the world says the opposite. Don't waste your time sleeping because you've got to get it done. And scripture says something else. The truly beloved of the Lord trusts him so much that he or she knows how to sleep when it's time to do so. And that one doesn't miss out on anything for the fact of sleeping. In fact, that's where the blessings come. And what did we see in our first reading? When did God speak to Santa? Uh, when did God speak to him? To Samuel? No, to, to Solomon. When did God speak to Solomon? In his dream when he was sleeping. After he had done all the work, he rested. He rested in the Lord and the Lord spoke. If we don't do that, why are we surprised we never hear? If we don't do that, why are we surprised we never feel renewed? How wonderful it is that we can come here and reflect on all of this. Because from this altar in a couple minutes, that same Jesus is going to be here. And he's coming down because we're all needy. We are part of that great sea of need in the world. But he can meet every single one of us. But we're also here so that when he comes to us and he begins to restore us and renew us, we're also that much more refreshed to stand up in the middle of the needs that we live with every single day. But how important it is to come aside and seek this refreshment. <clears throat>